Welcome back to the Go Dig a Hole podcast. It's been a while since we dropped a new episode, but we hope you've enjoyed the archive episodes that we're digging back up for y'all. Huge shout out to Kelly, Paul, and Rye, our latest Patreon supporters. I just picked up a fresh batch of stickers from a new print shop, so watch your mailboxes. All the support has been super awesome, and it helps us bring archaeology education, outreach, and advocacy with an inclusive mission. We've already met our first support goal, and we're super close to meeting our second. Our next objective is to pay for transcription services to bring the message to deaf and hard of hearing folks, and we're almost there, so thank you. This week, we got back into the Airstream studio with Tia Cody, Kirsten Lopez, Katie Tipton, and me, Chris Sims, to talk about the spring thaw. This time of year, a lot of archaeologists are getting into field schools and field work, so listen up for what you need to know for the field. These rad women are in Kennewick, Washington this week for the Northwestern Anthropological Conference. So if you see them at NWAC or at the SAA in Albuquerque, say hi. So yeah, it's the, it's, uh, time is a blur. Uh, it's Cheers. March. It's like, <laughs> what is time? Yeah, it's a flat circle. Uh, it's shaped like a cock. <laughs> oh hey, how you doing? Do you want some, do you want some more? Like, I am. Are you, I'm gonna, are you doing all right? <laughs> we need to turn your levels you. up so we can catch more of that. <laughs> Yeah, that's all for you. Just quietly. (laughs) Shaped like a cock. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So, yeah, a lot of people have a lot of things going on. We've got conferences. I just got back from SCA. Y'all are going to NWAC. I unfortunately had to uh, dip out of that one. SAA is right after that. So close after. Why do they do this to us? And Wax's like, we're being considerate, so you can go to SAAs. And I'm like, yeah. kind of. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I'm going to grow a third eye because it's in the Tri Cities. <laughs> I know. I'm going, I mean, I'm sorry. going to the. Uh, you want to take a tour of <laughs> Reactor B? I'm, I'm totally. I'm down for that. I'm actually going. I'm very excited. <laughs> my, my dad used to work for a company out there. They were like trying to turn some like the uranium into like to make it transportable uh-huh. and away from Hanford. And I, he had to get special clearance. And I'm like, yep. I don't, don't touch me. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want, yeah, any yeah. of that. No, there's some really cool, um, I'm not a historic archeologist, but there's some really cool, like the whole Manhattan project thing, of course, is like, has its own weird phenomenon around it that fascinates cool. me. So that's why I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yay. I'll go and leave. I'm not going to be staying. <laughs> yeah, where should we start? Um, so Megan wrote in mm-hmm. about um, how to prepare for working in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And so uh, f- specifically for working you know, on the Rimrock Draw Field School in Eastern Oregon. Yeah. What are the kinds of things that you would think about or kind of prepare yourselves for mm. for working in that part of the state? And I guess we could start by explaining that for anybody who's not familiar with it. Like it's yeah. a, the high desert. High desert. Um, people generally, I think the field school starts in l- late June, I believe. Okay. Does that sound about right? 
Um, so it's still probably uh, a little cool. Mm-hmm. And then it heats up by the time you leave in August. It's pretty warm. Right. Um, but being the high desert, if you've never spent time in the desert, um, not sure where she's from, but it gets cold at night. So layers. Layers. That's, the most, that's really important because it's cool in the morning mm-hmm. and you're like, Jesus, this is freezing. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the mid of the day and you're like, oh my God, I want to take off all my clothes because it's too hot. And then yeah. it gets cooler. And I think that's something that people don't realize is that mm. wearing layers is really smart. It seems <clears throat> like it can be annoying like with your pack, like oh, yeah. I want to put my jacket in there, but it, you're going to be happy that you did it because yes. if you're standing there like shivering, it's... Mm-hmm. It's not fun. Yeah, you're useless <laughs> at that point. You yeah. don't want to do anything. Yeah. yeah. And you said something interesting about, uh, like, it gets really hot and you want to take off all your clothes. Like, I grew up mostly in the southeastern U.S. where when it gets hot, it's also really humid. Mm. And so it could be maybe, like, 85 degrees with a heat index of 100 because you've got 100% humidity. Mm-hmm. It feels awful. Um, Sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, and there's also plenty of shade, right? There's mm. big trees around and stuff like that. And so my instinct when the first time I went to a, a desert was it's really hot. I should wear really short shorts and tank top. And then I was like, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to die. And so that's, that's one of those things like uh, sun coverage is important. Cause like in the high desert, there's not going to be much shade. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding ways to protect yourself, like wearing a sun shirt, mm-hmm. wearing a wide brimmed hat. That's something that I think <clears throat> took me too long to realize is that a wide brimmed hat is so much smarter because I always wear baseball caps Mm -hmm. and the tops of my ears have started to get like discolored because of how often they've gotten burned Yeah, and that it's so much safer and smarter for your health in the long run because archaeologists get skin cancer like so much Mm -hmm. that it's smarter to wear the bride burned hat and then I always used to wear those like um, moisture wicking like t-shirts yeah Mm -hmm. Dumbest thing ever, because after a while, that fabric just holds stank. So it's just like a perma-stanky shirt. At yeah. least for me, maybe I'm perma-stank. just super disgusting. But no, like, mine all smell awful. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just found that like either wearing just a normal t-shirt from like Goodwill or getting a light, breezy, long-sleeved button-up, you yeah. stay cooler longer in the long sleeve button up than you do wearing that moisture-wicking t-shirt because yeah. you're protecting from the heat. Like the mm-hmm. sun on your arms, and the, I don't know. It's just it was. Yeah. It's been such a different experience, like working in Eastern Oregon, wearing like long sleeves. Then, yeah. <laughs> but it's also sleeve. loose. Like yeah. keeping that yeah. in mind, because I've seen people wear super tight but long sleeve, and it's just it's not forgiving. Yeah. You don't get the breeze into your armpits or it's, anything. So. Yeah, yeah, it's the air movement. Yeah. Um, one of the coolest things I've been able to find at Goodwill or any other thrift store are those Columbia. Um, shirts that are the long sleeve buttoned down with the like vent in the back or on like the chest. Um, Most of those are often sun, like they have SPF to them. Um, So those are things um, that are, if you can find them, they're an investment if you buy them new. If money's not an issue, (laughs) I would recommend that. But for most of us, that's, um, if you can find them like secondhand, those are really great. and then you had a really good point, Katie. The uh, if it's hot outside and you're tempted to wear oh, sh- shorts, yes. or- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know. What 
Yeah, don't wear shorts. Wear pants, no matter what. Your legs will thank you. Preach. Um, I mean, because there's ticks out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you just you're sometimes going through gnarly vegetation if mm-hmm. you're doing a pedestrian survey as part of your field school and. I know I had some people learn the hard way because we were going through like a forest of sagebrush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just like getting beaten to death. And a couple people actually wore like capri pants and Yeah. <laughs> My field oh. school, I wore capri pants and I I just look back and I want to punch me in the face. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. My legs, we went through like you don't realize what you're gonna have to walk through. Like mm-hmm. they're like, oh, field school, pedestrian survey, and then it's like, have fun walking through this gnarly crab. We walked through these like old, like prickly bush things, and my legs got torn to shit, like just bleeding, mm. cut all over. Because I wore capris, because I was like, oh, I'll be cooler. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no. <laughs> get the heavy duty like pants. Put the money in or yeah. go to Goodwill and go to the men's section and find the Columbia pants that are like the rampant throughout the men's section. Like yeah. buy those. You like Katie said, you will be so much happier. Yes. And your legs will thank you yeah. for wearing pants. It's not a fashion statement out there. I just want to get that out of the way. I've mm-hmm. like gone in the field and people are like, You look weird. And it's like, yeah, but I'm I'm not going to get ticks. I like tuck in my shirts. I tuck in my pants into my socks sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'll even wear like an extra tank top underneath just to kind of keep that away. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm not trying to impress anyone out here. I just want to get the job done safely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Mm -hmm. the the nice thing is that um, the ticks out here are less likely to be disease-ridden than back east. Oh, yeah. So that's not to say it's still not still a risk, but it's a much lower probability, whereas I think, I don't know, uh, Texas north and then east, like mm-hmm. most of the U.S., um, pretty much, you know, it's anything from the meat allergy weirdness um, to... Lyme's disease and such and yeah. that stuff hasn't really been as notable I think there's been one case of something mm-hmm. like that showing up um, out here but yeah don't don't tempt fate yeah. either um, I also think those um they're like like the turtle skin or the band I don't the know. buffs buffs thank you yeah the, I have like eight yeah, yeah getting yourself a buff best thing <clears throat> ever because it's if you're screening, you can pull it up over your nose mm-hmm. to help with dust. It helps protect the back of your neck, which if you're anything like me, like I forget to put sunscreen back up there. Yeah. I'm like, my t-shirt covers it. No, no. your t-shirt does not cover the upper part of your neck. So put sunscreen there because or get the buff because then you don't have to yeah. worry if you forget. And it's great for holding your hair back. If it gets cold, it can be turned into an earmuff. Like mm-hmm. those buffs are, yeah. I don't ever leave for a field project without my buff in my bag. Yeah. yeah. And if it gets too hot, you can get it wet and mm-hmm. it'll cool you off, put it on your neck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also on the, the shorts note, if you're working in a cave um, or at a rock shelter, uh, one of the challenges that people run into um, is I don't know what the veracity, scientific veracity of this is, but no seams. <laughs> oh, uh, I hate oh. those things. So that's if you've never heard of that, Google it. It's a weird <clears throat> sort of phenomenon. And I don't know if they're exactly mites that bite or if it's just the chemistry of the sediments in there, but you end up getting sores on your legs if you have exposed. Um, oh like shins I got that because I also wore 
shorts <laughs> for my field school in a cave. <laughs> I stopped after one week, and uh, I think I wore them like twice in that week, and then I'm like, nope. Yeah. Or those um the brush guard like gators that you yeah. put those add gators another yeah layer mm-hmm. I I look like I've stepped out of an LL Bean ad when I <laughs> wear them but they are amazing yeah to yeah. keep stuff out and really great for uh, the sagebrush yeah oh yeah yeah and uh, other parts of Oregon wet grass also yeah. yeah those are nice because it's weird how you look at like. In the Dalles, it's all grassy and beautiful rolling hills. And you get out there like this time of year in the spring and you will be soaked in the first like oh, 40 yeah. minutes. It's From so the hips rough. down, yep. too. Yeah. Yeah. It'll look like you like viciously pee yourself. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes, absolutely. So rain pants then yes. are also a big, just always have them in your pack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if the weather says it's not going to rain, yeah. I still or start investing in those kinds of like sprays or like things that you can spray on pants and then wash and then it gives some sort of like waterproof it's not as good as like Katie said the waterproof pants but if you're like you don't want to buy waterproof pants or something like you can try those kinds of things another thing that I think is really important that I wish someone had told me was spend the cash on good boots yes like I, I know all of us in archaeology, most of us don't have a ton of money and that I bought boots from Goodwill and my feet bled. Like my feet were like asexually reproducing because the amount of <laughs> blisters that I had on my feet. It looked like I was like growing another foot. It was awful. <laughs> and it's so painful. And I wish that it's, I had been told like, go spend. I know it's expensive to look at Solomon's and see the 250 mm-hmm. h- or higher price tag. Yeah. Your feet <clears throat> will thank you for getting boots that fit you. Make sure that you talk to the person at the store yeah. about how boots are supposed to fit. Make sure that you're getting the right kinds of socks. So moisture wicking, wool socks, so yes. that you're not getting blisters. Because mm-hmm. if you get shitty like socks that you just get at Walmart, your feet will blister. and bleed yeah and don't you don't want bloody feet yeah and walking and surveying and bloody feet sucks Sucks. take it from me yeah it's not fun and the moisture wicking is really important because you don't want something like if you get cotton you're more likely to retain the moisture of the sweat and then you end up giving yourself like a weird foot funk Mm -hmm. um not quite trench foot but you know you can kind of start to feel like oh yeah my skin's starting to like separate away yeah (laughs) um so those are definitely things, and I definitely want to second that investment in the boots is worth it. I think I have two pairs. I have my summer boots, which I'm currently wearing because those are my everyday boots. We're all looking. Yes. <laughs> okay. Are um, they Vasque? Yes, Vasque. Um, and then the second pair I have are winter hiking boots, and I invested in those after surveying in often on snow weather, like 25-degree weather. Um, on the east side in the winter, November, December, um, I was wearing two pairs of socks and a regular pair of hiking boots that didn't have these have vents on them, but they were solid leather. Thought I'd be good. I was, my feet were so cold. Mm. I'm like, I dropped <laughs> close to $300 and they were on clearance um, mm. for the, the boots that I have. I'm trying to remember the brand, Lawa. There we go. I oh, love, yeah. oh, I love Lawa's. Like, yeah. Those things should last you for 10 years oh, yeah. plus. I've had them for six yeah. and they're still rocking. <laughs> yeah, I've had my Vasques for five and I just now replaced them because the nice. tread is completely gone mm-hmm. on yeah. them. But yeah, if you get, if you invest in the boots, 
like they will last you a good long while yeah and yeah it's just a smart investment and there's also um something else to keep in mind if you're not ready to plunk down the full amount you you can get like pro deals Mm -hmm. with different companies like i know keen you, if you work in the environmental field, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to show a paycheck or anything, but you can get up to 40 to 60 percent off on shoes. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for ways to kind of mm-hmm. kind of ease the burden on that, start looking into all these different companies. I know Patagonia, mm-hmm. you have to show your paycheck, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah. But <laughs> it's like, just come on. But yeah, other companies will you just they have a pro deal site. And if you just it doesn't hurt to just throw your name yeah. in and they'll say yay or nay yeah and you get 60 percent off almost and that is actually a, a good note um to add that if you feel hesitant to plunk down that much money on a pair of boots get something secondhand go to field school try it out mm-hmm. see if you even want to do this because it's just going to be for a few weeks yeah it's yeah. only going to be for a few weeks um and then you can really kind of see it one what we're really talking about but also if it's something that you want to pursue yeah i've had plenty of students um that decide that that's not what they want to do mm-hmm. um because it sounds great it's fun for a little while and then it's exhausting and um or oh my god i really have to be like away from civilization for so long and some of these um some field schools most field schools i should say including um rimrock is camping it's mm-hmm. outdoors so you are living out of a tent for months or that's a month expensive and a half. to stock up for like to mm-hmm. get all of the equipment at once if you, if you don't already have yeah. a lot of that stuff like when i started in archaeology i had a background as a wilderness backpacking guide and so i already had a lot of the equipment so it was easy for me to kind of repurpose my camping and hiking stuff for archaeology but that stuff still is, is pretty yeah. expensive to mm-hmm. get all at once so yeah. yeah i mean when you're looking at buying a tent uh nice boots and a good backpack i mean those are kind of like the the biggest things for like quality of life yeah you don't really need like the most expensive like jet boil stove or whatever no. like you can survive on anything else but pack mm-hmm. of tuna yeah, yeah. crackers yeah. avocado yeah yeah if you can if you don't want to bring the avocado i always brought guacamole <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing that i i don't understand why I feel like every archaeologist has an opinion on trowels and like they're yeah. going to like they get real angry at you. Like I heard I was literally just on a field project and someone was like, get a Marshalltown. And I was like, dude, I got mine at fucking Lowe's. And that shit yeah. like has been like rocking out for years. Yeah. Like so many yeah. STPs, like excavation units. Just go get one that feels solid to you, that you like the way it holds in your hand. Yeah. Just and I think for your field school, get a pointed one and a square one. So you you figure out what one you like. I personally don't like the pointed trowels. I like a square yeah. mm-hmm. one. It helps to like dig out things and chop down your walls. Um, I'm doing a lot of hand motions that like, no one can see. <laughs> um, but I don't understand why archaeologists, so many of them have such like vicious opinions about a trowel. It's a trowel? Yes. <laughs> Just go buy one. Yeah. It's, it's, I think Does some, it dig? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think in some ways it's a matter of opinion and, uh, or not opinion, sorry, tradition, not opinion. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think there, I've heard arguments where, and I haven't had this happen to me, and I my field school trowel was also like a cheap, like, do it best. I showed up with the wrong trowel. 
I showed up with a garden trowel. Oh, no. Yeah. Nice job. I I did really well. Yes. Yeah. So masonry trowels for those. (laughs) Yes, that's a good point. Masonry trowel. And not the, there's some, if you go into the masonry trowel section of any uh, uh, tool shop or home goods uh, shop, it's actually kind of hilarious when you go through there because you're like, Okay, a trowel. I'm going to go get one. You go and there's like half of the aisle is all of the different kinds of masonry tools. And yeah. you're like, I feel overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the they have those like super skinny little ones. Don't get the super skinny one. Get the, the wider ones. Yeah, They're, it's like five and a half inches or so is sort of is the standard mm. um, for the U.S. Uh, the Brits use shorter trowels. I think they're about four inches. And in length? Yeah. Okay. In length. So from... The blade width. Yeah, the blade, blade length. length. Mm-hmm. Um, so the base of the, to the, the tip. Um, and then also, no, you could probably go with a six inch. And depending on your field school, you may be encouraged, allowed, or encouraged to sharpen them. Um, and that is dependent. I always carry one that's sharpened and one that's not sharpened. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my, my field school trowel was lost and I ended up getting a Marshall town and I very quickly lost it in the field. <laughs> so did you lose it or no, it did fell you out lose of my it? pocket? Oh, okay. lose it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was actually hilarious because it was in a park. We were like uh, doing oh, no. STPs in some park and I'm like I'm not going to lose it here. It's like manicured grass. Like, what the hell am I going to drop it, lose it? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I could never find it. Like, it fell out of my pocket at some point, my cargo That's pants, terrible. and just vanished. So I'm pretty um, neutral. But I know that the argument is with Marshalltown, it's a single piece of steel mm. versus a lot of the cheaper ones. It's welded. And depending on what you're digging and how hard you are on the trowel, it may break over time at the joint. So I've heard that argument um, also with the handle. I've seen some people that theirs will start to rotate. Their handle isn't Uh fixed. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with the the metal piece in the trowel not being, it just being a round instead of like a plate to fit on there. So those are sort of the technicalities. Not that anyone needs to know that for field school, but... um, if you hear those arguments, you'd be like, Psh. "Yeah, <laughs> that's just like your opinion, man." <laughs> uh, I'm not really like opinionated about trowels, but I am possessive because I've been on a lot of projects where like tools get kind of mixed up and like yeah, misplaced. Nuts. And I've had my tools like I, I've got like a, a big rock hammer uh, that is great for digging through like clayey soils and like rocky soils and uh it's got like a good weight to it it's got like a nice long handle um you can really put some anger into it and get (laughs) pretty deep um but like other people like using it too so they end up borrowing it and then it doesn't come back to me and then i have to wander around the site yeah to find it and i can't tell you how many times i've found part of it buried in the backfill and i'm like bad form Bad yeah. form. Yeah. That's one thing that like always like even though you write your name on things, but always write your name on things mm-hmm. because that happens. People will take it. And even sometimes when you do write your name on it, it will up and walk away. I yep. had a pair of digital calipers that 
Ooh. walked away from me oh. on a project in California. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time when they walked away from me, I couldn't afford $30 to go get a new set. So yeah. I was like, yeah. damn you. <laughs> that sucks. But always write, like on things you don't even think of writing your name on, write your name on it. Yeah. The extra permanent Sharpie though, not just a regular Sharpie, that stuff rubs off. Yeah. Especially trowel handles don't, it, yeah. that doesn't yeah. stay. I, I actually, put mine on like the butt of yeah. the handle. <laughs> yeah. I put Apple stickers actually. Oh, no. Nice. So my trial, the butt has an Apple sticker huh. that stayed for That's years. That's really smart. And huh. so I know. Like, yeah. I'm like, is there an Apple sticker on that? And people are like, yeah. Like from the fruit. <laughs> yeah. Give me that. Yeah, yeah they like, stick not to the, everything. Yeah. They're great. Not the computer brand <laughs> sticker. Like, I have a bad habit of eating my apples and I'll just stick the sticker somewhere. So That's smart. Yeah, That's or like really my hard hat has like an Apple sticker on the bottom of it. <laughs> From, yeah, from just sticking. Like, I have multiple. Yeah. I have, like, way more than I should. But I know it's my hard hat. Yeah. yeah. So. No, that's smart. That is good. That's Also, get a good clipboard and not the clipboard that you think of, like, as a kid. Like, those little, like, cardboardy ones. Yeah, no. Get one that opens up that you can put all your paperwork inside. Yeah. And bring rubber bands because it's going to get windy, especially if you're in like Eastern Oregon. Yeah. And if you rubber band the bottom half of your clipboard, your paperwork doesn't like flap and fly all over the place. Um, so that was really helpful to me mm-hmm. is getting the rubber bands. And then you can go to Walmart and get their like little plastic clipboards that open up for like $7. Yeah. And I have both a plastic one and the giant like metal ones. And mm-hmm. I actually like my little plastic one better than yeah. the giant metal I've one. Yeah, I've been trying to. <laughs> I loved it forever, but then I got this like, like this really crappy like little plastic one, and it's just it's, it's going strong. It's yeah. working yeah. well. Yeah, I've been looking for one that I like. I've I've tried several, but the 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 plastic ones. Some of it was I had bought a pack for survey specifically because I wanted it a little more compact than the one I had before, and. I have a metal clipboard that's kind of massive. Um, Yeah, it's like an inch and a half thick, big. I can fit everything in it, including a camera and like photography supplies or whatever for Mm -hmm. doing that. Um, But I can fit that in there and then everything around it. But once I take it out, I have to unpack everything to Mm. put it back in. So I started looking for plastic ones, and I couldn't find one that fit right. Uh, I just got a new pack to kind of circumvent that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But sometimes it's kind of tricky. Um, The metal one I really prefer for excavation projects, whereas survey, it's it would be nice to have something lighter Mm -hmm. because it's it. The more weight you can shed, the better. Yeah. Yeah. Like I generally carry a so I have. Uh, like hydration packs in my backpacks but I also have a couple of water bottles so like for excavation I have this like giant like I don't know 34 ounce or 40 ounce um, hydro flask which is not something I want to ever carry with me I've done that and then I'm like nope (laughs) yeah absolutely but that's also important to know you can never have too much water yeah when you're out there like if you think it's not enough it isn't enough so get another water bottle or yeah you you need to stay hydrated out there yeah hydration packs are really good because they can hold like up to three liters and then you don't have to refill and that's really nice because then you're not relying on someone bringing 
you know, the Gatorade, like, mm-hmm. five-gallon refill or whatever. Yeah. Because um, I have heard of some nasty stories where the supervisor forgot to bring that, and then everyone kind of rioted oh. <laughs> and walked off the site. <laughs> um, in California. So it's, it's, you know, being somewhat self-reliant on that note and not having to... You know, think if you're going to be able to have access to water later or whatnot, just having that there. Field schools, it's less of an issue. Um, my field school, we had to have it because it was a, a I don't want to say, like, it wasn't the distance. It was the, the height because we had to hike up to the cave. Uh. Um, and it took like a good 10 minutes to get up there, especially lugging supplies. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really keep anything down at the car to like go back for water or whatever. That I can remember, of course. Um, but we had to lug these massive, heavy-ass batteries up the hill, and that sucked. So having to, like, go down to get water would just take a big time chunk out of the day. So everyone would bring their lunches and stuff yeah. as as that afforded. But um, So with field schools, definitely. So see what the water organization and the food organization is. Um, and also just see what to be, to expect. If you have a survey portion of, um, the field school, that's really amazing. Um, I did not have that. Some, some things, many of us just learn on the job, unfortunately. Um, but that is something that I think would be beneficial for a lot of people. Um, and with that comes like all of the, the supplies they recommend beyond what, what we're talking about too. So if we're saying like, get gators and you're not doing yeah. a survey, don't worry about it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like out of field school. Mode. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm in the same boat though. I got gators. So my first big project, um, out of field school was very different from field school and I ended up buying so much gear like after the first week like I went in week one they'd already been going for a while I like hopped in part way and I'm like oh shit I'm totally not prepared I did not have we're working in the high cascades I did not have rain gear Mm. it was uh October like the beginning of October and it's they're like it's gonna rain next week and I'm like oh fuck (laughs) 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 so I went and got rain gear um gators were something that was really a good um investment because of that just tromping through so much foliage whatever that is working in the desert sucks because of anything from it's beautiful. I love it. Don't say, d- d- don't get my, my, it sucks wrong. Um, I actually prefer working out there, but like sagebrush hurts. Like you were saying, like that shit's nasty. From knees down, you are yeah. cut and bruised. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sadly allergic to sagebrush. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. I found that out the hard way. I was getting like rashes at field oh. school and I was like, I don't know what is happening. I've never had an allergic reaction before. Oh, no. And then that was when we were doing our sagebrush forest survey. Oh. And then when we were done that week, it went away because huh. I wasn't rolling in the, yeah. the sagebrush. So yeah, that's get to know your allergies. allergies you will. <laughs> I found out I was allergic to, oh God, what is it? Um, I can't remember what what grass it was, but it's a couple of different marsh grasses. So working in the spring in Washington and Northwest Oregon in the Portland area here, I don't because I've been on 
I've been hospitalized twice from allergic reactions from oh. the one was a marsh in Washington and then one was uh, like right outside Savi Island. It was like canary grass. That's what it was called. It's like eight foot tall, mm. just thick, nasty grass. And then there was stinging nettle in there, which I'd never seen before. Ugh. And I didn't know what it was. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. What's going on? What is this? Um, so yeah, that was a big learning experience. I had like green welts on my arms. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah. So have medication on hand or like yeah, uh, like I, this sounds weird. Ask your parents if like if you were ever a child and had a, an allergic reaction. Yeah. yeah. Just to make sure because sometimes the field schools aren't fully prepared to handle that. Yeah. So, Unfortunately. Yeah. You need to be aware of what yeah. you go through. Yeah. yeah. It's smart to have Benadryl and Advil in your pack. Yeah. Just as a precaution it mm-hmm. also helps when you're camping too to just knock you out yes True. yes <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid of noises so i always wear e- earplugs earplugs mm-hmm. are a great thing um and people are like why aren't you afraid if like something comes up to your tent you're not going to hear it. i'm like well at least i'll go quick like let's just get it over with don't That's even true. i won't even know what happened yeah but earplugs really help because there's that weird silence noise that mm-hmm. maybe you're not used to so. yeah mm-hmm. i have tinnitus and so like when I'm camping, uh, f- like when I'm like finally laying my head down to try to sleep, all I hear is, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, it's a little tricky to yeah. get past that. But yeah, yeah. yeah so Benadryl. Yeah, <laughs> Benadryl. <laughs> Out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good point though. On the first aid thing, is like a field school or even a CRM job might have a first aid kit, but if everybody needs to use the first aid kit, it's going to be gone after like one incident mm-hmm. uh, or maybe a couple incidents. So it's always good to have your own. Plus in like the instance of an allergic response, like yeah. minutes matter. Mm-hmm. So you need to be ready to, you know, take care of yourself or someone next to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's smart to have a, like your own little first aid kit in your pack. Um, Cause for, for most people, at least for me, I had never done anything even remotely like archaeology. Like I, I never camped before archaeology. My first, my field school. I'd never really gone hiking before before my field school, and my feet got torn up. And so having like band aids and neosporin and moleskin to put on your feet to protect mm-hmm. them, like in your little field pack, is just smart because it's the potentially for the first time your body is going to be put. And yeah. under a lot of strain because yeah. I don't think people quite realize like archaeology is just glorified like day laboring like you yeah. are moving <laughs> soil you are digging yes. you are sifting you it's hard strenuous work mm-hmm. and I, for a lot of people it's the first time your body's actually having to put up with that so yeah pop those two Advil and a Benadryl and go to bed yeah. <laughs> it's just smart yeah. And and also be patient with yourself. Um, I remember having students that would get blisters from screening or troweling or both. Um, and one student was just very frustrated with the blisters she was getting on her hands. She's like, I'm wearing gloves. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, why is this happening? I'm like, because you haven't calloused yet. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's something it sucks. But you will, it will get better. Like, yeah. there's nothing anyone can do. I will help clean you up. But that your skin will heal and it will be tougher when it's done. So it, things like that, like building muscle, building calluses. This is something, especially if you aren't 
I don't know what's analogous to normal people life stuff <laughs> is like maybe gardening. Yeah. Um, if you don't do anything like that, there's not a whole lot you can do to prepare. So it's it's something that you just have to be patient with your body and be like, okay, this is part of the process. It'll be fine. It'll get better in like a couple weeks. And then by the time you're done, man, like when I was done with my field school, because I was in the bottom of a three meter pit, I was lifting gravel buckets over my head. I was so buff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. This Deltoids is awesome. for days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those are gone. <laughs> yeah, right. Definitely. Sitting sitting at a desk too much yeah. those days. I think also that we just mentioned gloves mm -hmm. that when I first started I got the normal like garden gloves that you see and those are fine. Like those will get you through. But I think if you go into like Lowe's or anything, there's like the it's called it's the Mechanics brand. I love those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh I am obsessed with yeah. Mechanics. Mine just broke on the pointer finger and the thumb, the seam mm -hmm. there. Yeah. So I have to get new ones. But those they have like knuckle protection. So like if you're screening and you've got clods, you can actually like punch the screen. Not too hard. Don't break it. <laughs> but like you can punch the screen and not like hurt your fingers. Yeah. yeah. Um. But if you invest in those like slightly more heavy duty ones, it it helps with the screening because your fingertips get like raw, raw yeah. through the glove. So if you get the the stronger ones, it's more helpful. But the regular garden ones will work too. Like as yeah. uh, Kristen was saying that on your field school, if you're not quite sure if this is exactly what you want to do, just go ahead and get the garden ones because yeah. yeah. you'll be okay. <laughs> get get a couple pairs because you'll wear through the fingers on the screen pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Especially in like sandy or rocky soils, it just like eats gloves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I've known a few people who prefer to not wear gloves, um, yes. which kind of freaks me out. I mean, to each their own, don't get me wrong, but like, like especially... No, I was just like very bothered <laughs> oh, okay. by it. I was just like, I'm like, that's a lot of unnecessary risk. Well, yeah, because I mean, it, working in especially Eastern Oregon, you're going to have a lot of obsidian, which is... A sophisticated kind of natural glass and shards of glass are what you're looking for most of the time in you know one way or another yeah. um, so the debitage can I've seen people slice their hands on it um, in historic was, context you've got um, rusty metal yeah. broken glass um, and in most and... contexts, just being out in the environment you're exposing yourself to disease and yeah. parasites and stuff so it's like Especially Why would you take that risk? Yeah, especially in archaeological sites. And there have been cases in other parts of the world, usually, where they will uncover... Actually, there's a very famous example of this, of uncovering an archaeological site and then something is released back into the air and then that it's a disease that is a contagion. There was a case out in China where they had uncovered, did like a an aerial... Um, uh, excavation um, for I want to say it was a house pit or a series of house pits and they left it and came back and it was covered in this strange mold like the entirety of the wow. site and Whoa. it was something that didn't it just happened to reproduce in the modern once it was exposed to air um, the famous example um, was Carter, who uncovered Tutankhamun, mm, died. No, that was a curse. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin it. Yes, I know. No, um, but, but do you remember what it was? I want to say it was like some kind of tuberculosis. Yeah, or there was like spores yeah. in the tomb itself that hadn't been released. Uh, yeah, and so yeah. when they opened it, it just like 
they inhaled. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, in Central America, histoplasmosis is a mm-hmm. big problem, and especially in like uh, like caves. Uh, yeah. The mold grows there and all that. Um, and I'm trying to remember the other one in the in the desert southwest. Hantavirus is mm. the other oh, one that's around like uh, rodent feces. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like if you. If you're digging on an archaeological site, there's a lot of rodent feces because yes. there's rodent burrows everywhere. Feces and urine. Yeah. A, in Paisley, we always talked about the um, rat doby, which is basically yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> so the sediments were basically cemented uh, by rat urine, like thousands of years of just it's soaked in. in. <laughs> and there was a specific, specific smell to it that the artifacts still generally smell like that. So there was actually one of the caves. Uh, we called it Eau de Cave 2. Like a perfume. <laughs> I know. I had to explain it was bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that particular cave had a lot of bats, um, historically. Mm. Not modern, but like there was a fair amount of bat guano through a bunch of the layers. So there was a specific smell to that. So, you know, you get through weird stuff. and Yeah. Historic sites, you have previews. Privies are some of the like mm. better resources, and depending on how old they are and how well they are preserved. I've dug a lot of privies. There's some uh, <laughs> the the stuff at the bottom. Uh, we always affectionately called butter. Oh. It was gross. <laughs> I oh, wish I could show you all the faces <laughs> that are happening right now. There's a lot of good faces happening. <laughs> we uh. At- Fort Vancouver when I was helping out running the the volunteer lab they had dug out a general's privy uh-huh and uh they were sorting out seeds from the, <laughs> to see like what people were eating and nice. I, don't, I don't know who's listening but sometimes if I was getting a little frustrated with people I would give them the matrix of soil from the privy and be like, we're looking for seeds. And I wouldn't bother to tell them that it was from a privy. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just like, Wash uh, your hands. Yeah, pretty much. You're like, what? I'm like, just go to the bathroom and put gloves on. Yeah. You don't want to get too close. No. I quickly realize how gross archaeology is in general. Like the shit we, the, the literal shit we deal with. Yeah. But like yes. in California, you also have the valley fever that when you kick up all those soil like and yeah. it's all silt like down there so when you kick up the silt you can get we had a co-worker who got valley fever and was hmm. really sick wow for a while because of it so yeah i don't think you you take the time sometimes to realize like all the occupational hazards that yeah. we have that like <laughs> yeah like i've been exposed to bat guano and it's like what <laughs> i make sure your tetanus shot is up to date oh seriously because all the barbed wire fences that you climb over and i know this is more crm than field school but i nicked my pinky on a barbed wire fence and my crew chief was like are you up to date with your you know your tetanus shot and i was like i don't know i'm probably at the 10 year mark and so she's like you need to go when we get back at your tetanus shot then i did a terrible joke at lunch i was like oh man Chewing the sandwich, my, my jaws are feeling really tight, and we're like in the middle of nowhere near Lakeview, Oregon. And she's like, "You better not be getting lockjaw right now." And I was like, "I'm kidding. I'm so kidding." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bad joke. Bad joke. Yeah, so, yeah that is tetanus shot. Yeah. yeah, because if you're at in college and you're kind of approaching that ten year mark of mm-hmm. yeah. your tetanus shot, yeah, and it's five to ten years if I remember. Yeah. So. 
I'm kind of religious about it and go every five. Yeah. And that's just because tetanus is a nasty, nasty thing um, to die from. Because um, you can. Totally preventable, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there was um, a story I heard of a kid that got it uh, somewhat recently. Cause yeah, he yeah. Didn't get his yeah. He was in the hospital for six weeks, I think, is how yeah. long he was in there. It took over 100 treatments yeah. to get him to live. And afterwards, his parents still refused to let him get vaccinated for tetanus. Yeah. The whole anti-vaxxer thing is... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want to open that. Yeah. Yeah. that... L- listeners, like, it, just trust me, like, my eyes rolled, like, back in yeah. my head. I saw it before it actually happened. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, is, like, if you're going to be an archaeologist, I'm sorry, but it's it, it's bad to not have your tetanus sh- shot. And yeah. go do this field. I have fallen on barbed wire. Mm-hmm. I have seen friends' thumbs get like sliced completely open on barbed wire. Yeah. I have scars from barbed wire. Like just refusing to get a tetanus shot and be an archaeologist to me is the almost kind of like don't don't just, do it then. Yeah. Like if you're don't be stupid. Yeah. There's so many ways that you can get hurt as an archaeologist and if you can prevent it with something as simple as going to the doctor yeah. and getting a tetanus shot just fucking do it and yeah. if anyone is unclear as to what tetanus actually is and what it causes is it causes and it starts with the lockjaw um, don't it, pull that joke yes no, don't do that <laughs> uh, but it causes your muscles to contract completely um, and eventually all of your muscles which includes your heart so it takes a long, not a long time, but probably about a month to a couple of months to complete, but it is an extraordinarily painful way to die. Um, and it takes a, a long time. Like of the ways that you could die in archaeology, I think that is probably going to be the, I'm going to curse myself on this one, but the worst because it's just, there's so much suffering and it's completely unnecessary and yeah. preventable. So. Mm-hmm. Um, in case, you know, it's not, you know, whatever people can, it's not fill in the blank. It's not, you know, measles or chicken pox or whatever. It's, it's, um, it's far more distressing as far as experientially. Um, Hmm. so just, yeah. On on the the high note. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On the same kind of note as like what archaeologists suffer from is that skin cancer as oh, I mentioned yeah. is really rampant throughout the archaeological community yeah. so I don't care if you tan or if you want to get super tan out in the field you should be putting on sunscreen, sunscreen and it should be higher than 30 yeah like I and I don't care what you've done in the past or what your skin tone is yeah you should be putting on at above. SPF 30 because you are you do not realize the intensity of Mm -hmm. the sun when you're out in the field yeah I have gotten such bad burns because I was like oh like I always forget to do around my watch like on my wrists and I have gotten such vicious burns there that they've blistered like just put put on sunscreen don't be don't be dumb and yeah. yeah, I don't care if you tan. Like I don't yeah. care. Or if you don't believe. I've I've had some people who are like I hate the feeling of sunscreen. I was like, well, then wear a long shirt, wear long pants, wear a wide brim hat. Like, yeah, I don't fully care. cover your body. Like, I don't care what you feel. 
do yeah. something about yeah. it. Yeah. Cancer and, feels worse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like. There are types of sunscreen that aren't greasy yeah. that cost a little bit more. Yeah. Spend the extra money, like, and reapply. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. put it on yeah. at seven a.m. and you're going to be working a twelve-hour, ten-hour, whatever shift. Yep. If you get sweaty, <laughs> if you get yeah. rained on, especially reapply. sweaty, um, and because low rise jeans <laughs> are less of a thing, I'm less concerned about it. But like the oh, yeah, that the lower arch- back yeah burn. the lower, lower <laughs> back yeah. burn, the archaeology being because you're bending over all day, mm-hmm. and even if you put sunscreen there, you're still bending over all day and standing up, bending, and it wipes it off. You sweat like you have to reapply constantly. But yeah, I have a permanent tan like. In that, yeah. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> I know. Right? Yes. It's, it's not a lower back tattoo. I was gonna say it's the archaeology version of a of a tramp stamp. Yeah. 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 It's the Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> Brown up top, pink in the middle, mm-hmm. real pale below. <laughs> yes. Well, I can't think of anything else that. I guess get a good like a decent backpack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just look back at my field school time and I was like, "Aw, you little stupid idiot!" Yeah. <laughs> like my, if you look at pictures of like my field school get up, you would be like, "What are you? <laughs> are you, like are you stupid? Like come on, like get a good like backpack." Like REI has these. Um, I think it's like um, they're called flash packs, and they're small. They're like perfect for field school they've got decent straps they don't allow you to put too much in there so it doesn't it's not too heavy Mm -hmm. but i used this like stupid little like leather backpack thing and it hurt my back so bad but like Mm -hmm. i didn't have the money to go get another kind of pack so like again you don't need to go spend like crazy money but like when you're buying a pack make sure it's got decent straps that it's got you know good pockets for stuff but like yeah chest straps are really the chest buckles are really helpful um Mm -hmm. with relieving the pressure and the waist absolutely yeah and don't get too big of one because that's another mistake that i made is i got like a giant like (laughs) backpack and then because i'm a hoarder i put too much (laughs) stuff in it like for me i literally need a small backpack so that i don't put too many cool rocks in it like there was one time where my field pack weighed five pounds more than it should have and i could not figure out what's going on and when i finally emptied it out it was five pounds of just like (laughs) neat rocks like my lizard brain is like sees a shiny rock and it's like get it you need it you have to keep it like that's your shiny rock that's why i limit (laughs) to golf balls if i find a golf ball i'm taking it yeah i don't i I should do that because i have so many like in the office like i have like, like three little shelves on my desk that are just stupid rocks. Yeah. They're not I noticed really... that. I was wondering where those were from. <laughs> those are lizard brain rocks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're plaque. Yeah. <laughs> Here lies lizard brain rocks. <laughs> well, so we've been talking about field schools. I think it it's a pretty easy jump to talk about um, CRM jobs. And so mm-hmm. this is the kind of season where um, people are looking at graduating, whether it's from undergrad or mm. from grad school. And maybe they're taking on their their first CRM job, or in in your case, Tia, like you you just got a new job, but you've already spent you know what'd you say seven years in in mm-hmm. the field. 
Um, so it's kind of like that whole spring thaw, like getting back into the groove or just taking your, your first steps into CRM. So what are, what are kind of the things that, that you've been encountering or what are the things that, you know, you think are important to think about in general when you either are, are new to a job or, you know, it's your first job? Um, I think the thing that was helpful with my first ever CRM job was asking what kind of projects they frequently have because uh-huh. that'll inform you and like where they do the field work because that'll inform you as to like what we've been talking about gear wise yeah. like if you your company does mostly like western oregon and washington that's really going to inform you of like okay i'm going to need a lot more like rain, rain gear. gear i'm going to be need to be prepared for wetter weather mm-hmm. um my company did a ton of work in north dakota and you need like prepare thyself for ticks there were so many times where I'd run my fingers through my hair and I'd pull out like 15 ticks. So like prepare, like gators, getting multiple layers to tuck in so you're protecting yourself. So asking your CRM company or any new job, like where do you do a majority of your field work? That'll inform you so you don't have to like go buy the gamut of stuff. Yeah. But you can get stuff that's good for the environment that you're doing work in. Duct tape also. Oh yeah. Is a good thing for tick ridden locations because you can seal those (laughs) (laughs) uh those those seams yeah those entry points um and occasionally i mean always do a chick tech a tick check a chick check check. (laughs) (laughs) we'll make a friend um definitely make a friend when you're out in the field because they can help if you have a yes problem like i had that issue and i had a tick in like my back and i couldn't reach it safely yeah. to take mm-hmm. it out so i had to call up a coworker that was like a few rooms over and i was like hey <laughs> <laughs> so we're friends right <laughs> what you doing tonight girl? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i got wine because i got a tick situation yeah. you should check so it out I, like, I had to go braless i had to like hold myself and be like <laughs> Sorry, I'm yeah. covering my boobs right now, but <laughs> she had to pull the tick out. So yep. just yep. make a friend. I had a, I had a similar situation in field school. I couldn't really figure out if I picked it up there or I'd taken a a, a trip um, out with someone that I was seeing on a hike and uh, in a forested area. And I ended up like two days later, like the tick had embedded like Ooh. in my back and I was like oh god <laughs> yeah <laughs> so stuff like that it's always good to have a friend because similar like I couldn't reach it I couldn't see it I had to have someone help me mm-hmm. um and rarely is it like on the front of you where you can see normal mm-hmm. things and you know mirrors are good that's another thing yeah uh if you are camping and you're in an area where there are ticks which is anywhere basically mm-hmm. Get like a really cheap ten dollar closet mirror to prop up inside the tent, so you can do tick checks. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Um, and one last thing too to keep in mind for Eastern Oregon is um, rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. So don't get too freaked out, but they do exist. There's a lot of them there at that particular site. Um, so just become comfortable with the idea. Do your research beforehand and know that you know if you leave it alone you know just avoid them if you can mm-hmm. but um there are ways the people that are out there i know uh, a couple of the people that teach it and they are fabulous and have had one of the gals um she happened to put her tent where there was always snakes so nearly every day there was a, <laughs> a, a rattlesnake like 
just <laughs> around her front door. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. fun times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a snake under my tent at field school. <laughs> well, I got mice, and then Ooh, I, I removed the, mi- the mice, and then the snake apparently caught wind of it and so got under my tent and i was hearing the pitter patter again i was like not again not the mice they're back so i like get out of my tent and go around there's like half a snake hanging out the back yeah and i was like i'm done i'm going away (laughs) but it wasn't a rattlesnake um I'm like blanking on the other kind that's out. Is it bull snake? It was a bull snake. Yeah. yeah. So and I was like, rather have that snake uh, around because they eat rac- rattlesnakes. Rattles- yeah. And stuff, yeah. Keep so. them; they're less dangerous yeah. for, to humans. So if you have a, ne- a bull snake nearby, it's your friend, mm-hmm. and yeah. you just want it they to just, chill. We just like pulled it out by the tail, and like the t- field school TA was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> out into a field. Yeah. So, but yeah. Sorry, I changed yeah. the subject. <laughs> no. Derailed. Ticks and snakes. Yeah. I think another good thing for like if it's your first CRM job, don't don't act like you you know everything because nobody cares that you don't know. Yeah, people archaeologists are very friend like generally friendly and kind and want to help you learn. But if you come at it trying to convince someone that you know everything, people will back off you and they won't help you and they'll yeah. let you flounder because they're like, fine if you know it then. Go fucking show me. Figure it out. But if you go in and let people know, like, like I even, I've been doing this for a while and I just went on a field project and it was the first time I had dug a one by one since undergrad. Mm -hmm. And so I had to tell the person, I was like, I'm really sorry. Like, I haven't dug a one by one in a while. I was like, I, if you wouldn't mind helping me. And she was like, oh my God, yeah, I haven't dug mine in like years. So we're all learning together again. Yeah. So like just expressing that you don't know stuff that you're willing to learn. People will jump at it and help you yeah. and be right yeah. by your side so don't don't be scared to say you don't know stuff because most likely you're not gonna know a lot of what's going on like Kristen was saying that she didn't have a survey portion of her field school so when she got on the job like that's when she learned how to survey yeah, yeah. so just letting people know and generally people are nice about it you yeah. you'll find one or two yeah. dicks and, but yeah. ask <laughs> questions too yeah it doesn't ask hurt to be that person yeah just ask where we're going it doesn't hurt to be like do you have maps do you have information about what we're doing like i know people who don't ask those questions and then they just get lost in the field and yeah it's it's nice to be curious about where what you're doing and where you're going because it's not only good for you but also being having an idea of what's going on um there have been jobs I've been on where my supervisor is not from the area and hadn't worked in, out there and getting an idea of what you're doing and being like, um, I, pardon me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> um, and usually the people are pretty appreciative if you're mm-hmm. like have knowledge of an area. Um because, you know, it's it's m- most of the time, not all of the time, I'll put that caveat out there, but most projects I've been on, people tend to be very team-oriented. Mm-hmm. And supervisors, again, many but not all, tend to have that attitude of, like, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this decision. How do you guys feel about that? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have anything that I'm missing, like an opinion or a thought process? <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing the pee pee dance. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> 
First time like, during a podcast, but oh my god, you all can uh, keep going, and I'll just okay. Okay. <laughs> have keeping fun and good in. luck. Yeah. <laughs> keeping this in. <laughs> so all now right. that Chris is gone, <laughs> oh my gosh, girls, yes, <laughs> it is now the all girls podcast. <laughs> yes, we're go dig a hole. <laughs> all girls podcast on the all girls podcasting network. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm. Another thing that I was gonna say is that. I think the most surprising thing about this, my first CRM job beyond just doing the work was the culture of working CRM Mm -hmm. that you basically, you have a family, you live, eat, work together. And it surprised me how much like drinking went on that like you're in the middle of nowhere. And so you have really nothing else to do except for like go to a brewery and then just like drink all night. And at least that was at my company. It was that was how you socialized was just drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. And when you're 21 and 22 starting your first job, you're like, fuck yeah, let's get wasted. (laughs) And then you go into the field and working in 103 degrees with a hangover is the fucking worst. (laughs) But I think learning that like, I think archaeologists are very socially awkward people and we use alcohol to like loosen ourselves up so we can all talk to each other. Yeah, but I don't just, know what you're talking yeah, about. Just like, oh, just looking at the table right now. Just making broad generalizations. <laughs> but I think that that's something that was so hard for me to learn is that I'm, mm-hmm. I get really nervous and I'm like, okay, well, I have to drink because everybody else is drinking. Yeah. No. You if you don't feel like healthy drinking that much or you just want to do one beer, just do one beer. Just do one beer. Because, like, you will have those people who are like, what? Drink more. They'll forget about you in four seconds if you don't get another yeah. beer. Like, or here's healthy. a shot and be like, Neh. Yeah. Chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm really good at, like, the sly, like, <laughs> Dump dumping the, the shots and shots just keep coming. You're like, all right. You're like, wow, yeah, the floor plant is really getting wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the ficus is like. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to have your boundaries yeah. when you're out there. People will respect that when you let it be known. If you, yeah. If you yeah. don't, that's where it becomes, like. Yeah, a, a, an ambiguous problem. Like yeah. people don't understand, and you're like, "That's fine." Yeah, generally people really respect it, and some people might give you f- a little flack for it, but it's know that it comes from a place of good jest most of the time. Yeah, and they'll leave you alone shortly after making a quip. Like it's pretty much like, "What? You don't want more beer? Okay, whatever. Yeah. Like, give me another yeah. one, or like, I'll have one for you." And you're like, "Great, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Do it." But yeah. Yeah, I've gotten really good at just suckling a beer, like just sipping on it for <laughs> a really Let's long time. Pause and go back to the word suckling, suckling on a beer. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's just Kristen in the corner yeah. suckling on her beer. <laughs> Poor word choice. <laughs> but anyway. yeah, it's you sipping slowly sipping a mm-hmm. beer or any drink you have is like the best way to like stay like yeah. with a group but that was it's you don't worry about it mm-hmm. the the drinking is more to like pass the time yeah. than like any sort of like initiation into something so don't get drunk drunk yeah that's a bad choice and some of it is is like you were saying a hangover sucks, but just being dehydrated the next oh, day yeah. sucks yeah. ass. You like, can't get, yeah. It's 
it's horrible, especially if you're working in the desert. Like there is, <laughs> there's a limit. Your body will stop functioning, and you will start getting really bad muscle cramps. Like I'm flashbacks, right? Now. Yeah, yeah and you get that that alcohol sweat where your body is trying to get rid of it. You so smell it bad too. Puts out your pores, <laughs> and you're just like, ooh, yeah, I smell like a real ripe IPA. Yeah. <laughs> working in Belize, out. everybody smelled like rum oh, in their in their excavation units. <laughs> oh god, yeah, I. Yeah, don't don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't turn it into something. And that I think also that you don't realize like how often you spend time with these people that it starts to blur the lines between being a coworker and being like a family member and I think it took me a while to learn that like it's they're it's even if you're good friends, you're coworkers while you're out on the field and yeah. there you need to have boundaries with things like you talk about or things that you like do that it, this even if it does not feel like it yeah you are in a professional environment and there should be boundaries to things and it might seem harsh to say that but after doing crm for a while i find that i enjoy my life more i feel happier and healthier yeah. when i put boundaries up with my crm coworkers because then i don't feel like I'm out there with like my sister or something yeah. and that you because I've had problems where you talk about like you just you've no one else is out there. So you talk about stuff that you wouldn't normally like talk about mm -hmm. and it can come back to bite you or it blurs lines between coworkers that make it difficult to back up. So just like learning that you. And like not in like a, a bad way, but like you mm. have friends and then those friends tell other coworkers and then it gets like weird and it's just I don't know. Yeah. But, and I'm not talking about this in a sexual way at all, but like you can just say like I don't know, stuff. But like it's just it's hard. And yeah. you need to create those boundaries because it's a professional environment mm -hmm. and a working environment. And you need to realize that you don't have to be like the closest people ever. Yeah. It's like the if that makes sense. Yeah, you can be friends and coworkers, but it's not your sister best friend like mm -hmm. unless you've known each other for 10 years or whatever and have cultivated that relationship but it can seem like you're saying artificially close because you're there yeah, absolutely. all the time and that's where um, I wanted to add you'll hear the phrase it's the what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas you'll hear what happens in the field stays in the field and that's total entire bullshit for one oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, because it one it always gets out Mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever that may be two it is a professional relationship and even though you're like isolated and that's where it gets weird and fuzzy because it's like a cabin fever thing you're yeah. with the same people day in day out you're at work with them for extended hours and then you're at with them after work like mm -hmm. there's no other social life like your work coworkers are your social life for that that duration which could be anywhere from like a weekend to six months to several years mm -hmm. um and that's where it can become challenging especially like people doing large monitoring projects out in south dakota you're out there for years you become friends with you know the locals and stuff but making sure especially with locals as well as coworkers, like keeping those boundaries and it's it's a unique kind of social environment mm -hmm. um, and keeping in that in mind even in field school like those relationships that you make in field school will serve you throughout your career whether for mm -hmm. good or bad depending on your behavior yeah. <laughs> and that's actually another good segue of like for if you're want if you know this is something you want to do after field school 
making those connections with your TAs mm-hmm. and the professors and mm-hmm. keeping those relations because they're working in the professional world also and networking with them of like, hey, you know, we were at the field school together. Do you know of any opportunities to go out in the field and get that professional experience? Because that's actually how I got my first job yeah. was mm-hmm. my TA remembered me and she called me up like six months later and she's like, we're going to be hiring. Nice. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? I'm like, I thought you hated me. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I guess not. Um, so, yeah, just maintaining those kind of relationships, too, are a good way to mm-hmm. segue mm-hmm. into the CRM world. Yeah. yeah. If, yeah. You, if you want to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I similarly got mine through not a TA, but one of my one of the other students had a job and I happened to be in like last minute looking for work. And she had sent an email uh, or I sent out an email blast to everyone like that I knew from field school if they had heard any of anything. Um, and she's like, I just had to to like check out from this job because I have personal stuff to deal with. I, they have a hole to fill. See if you can contact them. Here's mm-hmm. the person. And I used them as a contact. And I knew she was a good worker from my experience with her in field school. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like if she's willing to put her neck out for me, like, Mm -hmm. you know, stepping into that. And that job has carried me through almost all of my CRM as far as not that specific position, but referrals from them to other people, Mm -hmm. to other people, and then getting other referrals. And then, like, it's, it's all word of mouth, really. I mean, there's application stuff that you have to deal with too but it's all that personal mm-hmm. it's a small small field like it really is know who you are which is weird yeah, yeah. you you shouldn't you, you should know that archaeology is a small community yeah. sometimes it doesn't seem like it is but it's it's really small for good or bad yeah that if you fuck up on a project people will know about it unfortunately yeah, yeah. but i think kind of tag teaming on that is that it's a small field but I think sometimes there's this like expectation that you should have to like suck up to people who have been in the game longer to get yeah. positions you don't and I, and yeah. I personally I hate that yeah. mm-hmm. and I hate it at conferences and I hate it at meet like meet and greets I the suck up to the people who've been in the game a while like respect them of course because they've got knowledge that you don't but you don't need to suck up to people no. to get positions. No. And you don't need to bow down to them or like kiss their feet for the work they've done. If they've done cool work, tell them. Like, I really enjoy your work. I think this project you did or this report I really liked, but you do not need to kiss up to people. No. And if people tell you you do, you don't want to work with those people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good summary. Yeah. <laughs> i feel bad when i see when some people are like oh that's so and so i'm like okay cool what am i what am i supposed to do with that like they've had no effect on my career like great cool kudos Mm -hmm. but i'm like i'm not gonna go say or like when people tell you like the people they're like who they've studied under or like stuff you're like oh i mean that's cool but like, I don't what care. about you yeah, though? Gold, gold star. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like good. I sh- I'm gonna start carrying around kudos bars. Like remember those? <laughs> yes. I'm just gonna hand it out and be like, kudos to you. <laughs> like, yeah. Would you like chocolate mint or peanut butter? Yeah. <laughs> that's how I feel about the sentence you just said to me. Yeah, yeah. That's the feeling I get, and it's a little frustrating because yeah. I'm like, that's cool. I mean, I don't. I just don't want to play that game. Yeah, yeah. Like, it tells. 
want to do my own work and yeah it tells me nothing about who you are yeah yeah right like cool you studied under this guy but like do you suck because you could potentially suck (laughs) 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 but yeah that's one thing in the serum world and just archaeology in general that Mm -hmm. i initially struggled with was like oh i guess i have to suck up to these people and then i was like this isn't fun yeah this blows yeah and most people will respect you more if you don't in Mm -hmm. my I don't know. Maybe that's just my, I'm like, I see all humans as kind of, we're all humans. Um, But yeah, I've never really, the hierarchical suck up bit has never been my, my bag. Um, Actually, my advisor, um, I had met in person for the first time at NWAC. It was like midnight at the bar. (laughs) And I saw he was talking to people and I went up to him and I like, Slapped him on the back. I'm like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and he's like, hi, do I know you? I'm like, yeah. And I, you know, I, I let him like kind of flounder it for a second. And then I like, introduced myself. And he's like, so, and, and we had a great conversation after that. But it was very much like, I like, this is something I, a person I should meet because I am officially a student. Mm-hmm. And we'd had phone conversations and stuff, but we never met in person. So it was kind of a funny little, like, <laughs> I don't know. It kind of cracks me up sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was midnight at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, and some of it is, is if you, uh, like you're saying, if you find someone you know and you respect, like, don't feel afraid of introducing yourself. Like people feel flattered and excited that you know their work, like mm-hmm. not just the name. Yeah. So if you're like, you know, so-and-so is, you know, amazing and I'm so glad to to meet this person, um, you know, you don't have to do fangirl all over the place, but you know, there's, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they, you can let them know. Like, yeah. um, I'm trying to remember. Never mind. Story lost me. <laughs> Never mind. Story lost. Yeah. Lost. I, well, I think, you know, if you have someone who you've admired or they've had a positive impact on you mm-hmm. in an indirect way, like maybe their writing has mm-hmm. impacted you positively and you happen to meet them at a conference or something, you know, like they'll be flattered to hear that, you know, go up and introduce yourself to them. Um but I found unexpected moments of mentorship with these, with a lot of people who I've mm-hmm. admired and I've talked to and like, you know, just at a, at a conference and I'll say, you know, like this paper such and such, you know, like, you know, helped me a lot. And, uh, what I find that doesn't make it into writing is like navigating the life of being an archaeologist and that's Mm -hmm. kind of the thing that ends up like being the i think the most valuable conversations i've had with people are like how do i how do i sustain this like how do how do i you know navigate this really tricky contract that um is really killing me to try and figure out how to write um you know stuff like that yeah there's a a really great book um you can find this and it's a short read so you can you know, as something to do at field school on the off hours. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna Prentice, uh, her book, uh, I think it's called Field Seasons, is about the development of her career from mm-hmm. a, like a PhD student or from a, a student into CRM as a PhD student and eventually like 
being a professor at Montana State, I believe it is, mm-hmm. um, that she still works at now. But there's just the the getting a really cool view of someone's career trajectory like that is very encouraging to be like, this isn't a ladder system. It's mm-hmm. not straightforward. It's all over the place. And that's OK. That is most people's experience. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that is a really fun read and also has really fun stories about field experiences like yeah. bear encounters and things <laughs> like that, that that are really neat. Yeah. Like when I was an undergrad, the kind of advice that was useful to me was um, how do I successfully complete my final project or like this big paper and I like even a five page paper used to like stress me out in <laughs> Those undergrad the days. And, <laughs> you know, right? Right? Like, well. now I can pound that out in like one sitting yeah. like in one coffee cup uh, and it, you know I got a lot of great advice and mentorship from my advisor and from other professors then but um, you know then in grad school it was like how do I write my thesis? You know, like I'm hitting all these walls. How do I just keep forward progress going and had a lot of good advice there, which was like, basically just keep writing. You're going to throw a ton of pages away. Don't get too sentimental about them. Yeah. Like, just keep writing. Um, and now it's like more on like the business management end is like, those are kind of the, the kind of conversations I end up having at conferences and stuff is like, how do I run a business? Like yeah. this, that's the kind of thing that nobody teaches you in archaeology no and a lot of archaeologists do that that's how crm started and where some of its flaws came from i'm just going to put that out there yeah (laughs) true um and that those there are many thoughts on that um which have been expressed elsewhere Uh, (laughs) we'll table that that. (laughs) yeah both on here and on the women in archaeology podcast i think we've done entire episodes on on that i want to say but um yeah so it's 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 really interesting i think i find more and more i mean this has always felt true for archaeology but the longer i'm in it the more i feel this way is it's we are a jack of all trades business yeah Yeah. um or field like i know more about chemistry as an archaeologist than i ever thought i would Mm -hmm. um i am a better writer and I can thread together or weave together arguments um, between the hard sciences and the humanities far better than other fields, I feel like, because we literally have a foot in each. Um, and they tend to, especially recent, in recent years, I feel like the, those two sort of umbrella fields have started to, especially with the push to STEM, there's been um, a lot of... What's the word for this motion I'm making? Divergence. Um, thank you. <laughs> I got you. Right here. Uh, a lot of divergence in in those fields and how they relate to each other because they kind of, I mean, the arts and sciences was always a thing um, that used to be under one school in a lot of older universities and they are just so separate now. Um, that it's hard to find um, a lot of people that are good with those things and I think it's developed me as a person also having an understanding of both yeah so it's one of the the fun things you never have run out of things to learn I guess is where I was going with that yeah absolutely I also think that um archaeologists archaeology is a field solely comprised of workaholics yes and that it is something that I wish I had had a mentor that told me that your personal life 
your family life, your friends, your relationships are just as important as being an archaeologist. And that sometimes I feel like archaeology is a field, and this is especially for people going into CRM for the first time, um, you are basically made to feel, and maybe I'm the only one that feels this way, but you should be made to feel like, thank God you have a job. Yeah. And yeah. that you are so lucky to be employed. And so you should, like, you should always work hard, but you're made to feel like you need to work your ass off and sacrifice and, and sacrifice yeah. and take every field job that comes your way and turn down that you're like well my boyfriend and I had a vacation plan to Seattle and they're like well we might not put you on as many field projects if you turn this project down if you've made commitments that are important to you and your personal relationships turn the project down yes. they will put you on more projects do not listen to that there will that always be another there's project. always more projects yeah because yeah. I've uh, so most of my work as a technician was as a single parent. So I had very specific restrictions as to what jobs I could and could not take. Um, one, after that f first big job, I got a referral to a project over Christmas break. And I'm like, nope, I'm not doing that. Yeah, like, yeah. that sounds great. That's cool for you guys. Like, I'm, I can't do that. And then... Just if you have like family, whether it be children or sick parents, like don't be feel like you can't be an archaeologist, but m like make those boundaries and don't be afraid to to put those there. Because definitely mm -hmm. I think more archaeologists will respect you and respect your decision to do that. And in some ways might encourage them to do the same and for their own lives. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I spent years taking every project that came my way. And for three years, I was never home. Same. I was home for maybe like two months, like out of the year. Like, and that's just yeah. combining all the days that I was home. And I was miserable. I wasn't happy because I took every project. And even if I had planned something with friends, my family, a significant other, I would turn it down. To go on a field project because I was like, well, thank God I have a job. Thank God I'm employed. Like, I'm... No, you will be so much happier and extend your longevity as an archaeologist yeah. having those boundaries. Like, no, I planned to go to my boyfriend's like office party. I will be going to that office party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you don't need me for three days. If you want me after those three days that I can't work. Sure. I'll come out to the field. And I found so often that I, my bosses respect me more. They're like, cool. And they ask me instead of just telling me to go on a field project. Yeah. Yeah. When you put the boundaries, they ask if you want to do something. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we've got something in Texas. Would you like to go? Here's how much time. And they give you more details on the project. When you're just like, okay, uh, I guess I'll go on anything. They don't ask. They tell. And they don't give you much information. And They're like, you're going leadership. to Texas. Just yeah. deal with it. Yeah. That's yeah. not good leadership anyhow. No. Yeah. So ha in having those boundaries, like in all areas like of archaeology mm -hmm. is just it makes you a happier archaeologist it makes you do better work because you're like i don't fucking hate my life <laughs> so sure i'll record yeah. this site the way i should yeah <laughs> not just to get out of here yeah exactly <laughs> yeah my least favorite phrase i remember hearing was people would volunteer for what you do <laughs> also, there's a stack of resumes a mile high. I heard a lot of that during yeah. the uh, recession. Ooh. And it, it's just like, it goes back to that whole, you're lucky to have this job mentality. And mm -hmm. that was, just, it's such a toxic 
outgrowth of, mm-hmm. of, you know, the kind of work yourself to death mentality that, mm-hmm. that is reinforced in the field. It's got to be broken because like you said, it, it makes you a happier person, but it also forces people to be better leaders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, if, if they can work with who's available and, you know, make projects, you yeah. know, and also doing good work. Yeah. Like if you do good work and you define mm-hmm. boundaries, they will contact you again and again and, and again, again. Yep. and make yourself known when you are available available and like it's it's sort of a, a cycle and you just you know try and keep keep things going it's hard to trust that starting off too yeah because it, it feels like an you know kind of a desperate time to get your your first job or mm-hmm. you know one of your early jobs and and also just to keep in mind that like um you know one of the things that i ran into a lot when i first started working in crm was like I had this feeling that the company I worked for, the first company I worked for, like that I would just be a lifer, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was just going to be with that company forever. And, you know, like I was happy with it, but you know, the reality is, is you're going to work for a lot of companies and you're going to go a lot of places and, you know, and make sure the company you're working for knows and respects that. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Right. And that's, I think another like larger issue is some companies do not understand or respect that because you're working under the bigger corporations that don't understand archaeology itself Mm -hmm. as a discipline and that people are moving around to different projects. They're not, unfortunately, going to be consistently working for you. And if you have someone telling you, like, you can't work for someone else Mm -hmm. or or we won't hire you, don't, don't work, for, work for them <laughs> yeah. because you have to pay your rent yeah. Yeah. and Person. we already don't get paid enough. So you need to pay your rent. You need to buy your groceries. You need to feed your cat. Yeah. And if you tell me do not, I'm speaking a little bit from personal experience, but if yep. you tell me that you're going to fire me because I'm working for someone else, fucking try me, bitch. Yeah. Like, let's or, go. <laughs> or that cost extra. Like, you know, yeah. like, cool. You're going to pay me a little bit more. Yeah. You got to yes. buy my loyalty. I, <laughs> I have a feeling we're talking about the same company. Probably. Probably. <laughs> See, it's a small world. It is. You don't get to burn too many bridges before you're cut off. No, exactly. And that's that is something to keep in mind. Like going into field school even, but especially going into CRM, don't make enemies. Yeah. It doesn't really matter who it is. Um if enemies are made for you through an experience that you have through someone else's will. Um, that is imposed upon you, make that known and don't be afraid to speak up when um, there is abuse or um, any sort of um, harassment or sexual harassment that happens. Um, Especially in recent years, that's become definitely more of an issue that people are willing to listen to um, versus in previous years. So, you know, having an experience like that does... Don't let it discourage you and make sure you make your voice heard. People will listen. Yeah. And there's a lot of really good companies and a lot of really good bosses out there. And if you've got one that's shitty, don't hold on to it. Just let it go and go find someone else. Yeah, move on. And that you will be surprised how many contacts you actually do have. Mm -hmm. That if you reach out to someone in the Mm -hmm. archaeology community and being like, hey, I've had a really bad experience that put a bad taste in my mouth at this place. I don't want to name, like, I'm not trying to start anything, but I've had a bad experience. Can somebody help me find something else? Archaeology friends are some of the best friends in the world. Like they yeah. will yeah. always come to bat for you, get you jobs, like find you interviews, find people. Like, yeah, they're 
there it's a great community it yeah. can have its problems but it's a good community on the whole so just reach out quit yeah. the job leave the dick <laughs> and go <laughs> but like try try your best to like leave on not best terms but you know don't just be like fuck you yeah. Yeah. like walk out of the office yeah. like yeah. not that you're in the office all the time anyways but you know like just be cordial and just like you know i'm good this isn't this working is, out yeah. Yeah. yeah be a professional about it yeah, yeah. and Depending on the company, they may or may not actually, you know, be good sports about it. But generally speaking, those people or companies, you're not going to be the first one Mm -hmm. with that experience. So, you know, do the best that you can to leave things positive. Um, But if they don't, you know, that's not on you. And, you know, it will, you'll be fine. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Control what you can control. Yes. Everything else that's that's on the other people. Just mm-hmm. do what you can personally and Yeah, preach. And yeah. yeah I, I do have to say probably, not to scare some of the students off that might be listening to this. <laughs> a lot of this, um, I think feel I feel um goes to other fields as well. Um, as far as just job knowledge generally. And it's interesting, um I don't know. Like if this is, I don't think this is specifically archaeology, um, but people who don't have a lot of job experience before going, like finishing their degree and going into the field may be kind of shocked by some of this workplace, mm, I don't want to say drama, but like complications, mm-hmm. like it's, it's messy, yeah. but that, that can be anywhere. Um, and that's something that, like, it's not just archaeology. The grass is not necessarily greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. If you feel like leaving because you don't like the work itself, that's one thing. But if you're not, you know, if you keep having bad experiences, then maybe kind of reevaluating where you're at, what you want to do, maybe, you know, how you feel about life generally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Question your exp- yeah. your personal choices. Um, but that's something that uh, these patterns are kind of uh, while archaeology is very unique i think the don't burn your bridges um you know stuff will follow you always be cordial uh, be professional with your professionals as casual as it may seem especially with archaeologists because we're all in muddy nasty clothes <laughs> all the time yeah even professional conferences it's hard to find someone in slacks like <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah it, yeah don't want to scare you at people <laughs> who are listening. like it's Just, not like <laughs> but we don't want it to be a shock too because exactly. like it was yeah. a bit of a culture shock like I, my parents are in very like professional and like mm-hmm. my dad was a businessman he's like you gotta do x y and z and i'm like okay i gotta wear slacks all the time people like i was wearing formal attire basically for mm-hmm. my first month at work mm-hmm. and people were like showing up in jeans and i was like oh <laughs> okay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a different boundary and yeah like i was just being like i wouldn't even talk sometimes in the field because i was like oh my god people are swearing and finally like just easing into it and learning where my yeah. boundary was on yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it cuz I had a similar and I, some of this is I still kind of choose to wear slacks periodically about half time or so like when I'm working um in an office environment. And some of that is is I sold real estate in my pre- previous <laughs> life incarnation <laughs> um which was very like 
keeping up with the Joneses on an entire mm-hmm. and personal image level, which I have, you know, I don't do it to that effect. But for, and this comes to like personal preference too, I'll wear jeans, but I'll usually wear like a button down or something, or I'll wear slacks with something a little more casual or girly or whatever. But like the, the big thing for me is dressing like I am going to accomplish something if yeah. I'm working in an office because that for some reason in my mental space helps me write more and be more productive so whatever helps you like if everyone in the office is showing up in their pajamas and you just really don't feel it you don't have to do that either yeah. <laughs> I'd be questioning if people are showing up pajamas. like what are we doing here like guys yeah. we need to all sit down are and we have a talk <laughs> like where's the study going on yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think on a totally other note too like I think sometimes undergrads think that going into a CRM company is you're gonna be a techie all the time which is kind of true you're gonna feel tech but don't be afraid to tell your bosses that you're like I'm willing to do office work I'm willing to do Mm -hmm. stuff because they're gonna give you the shit job in the office be be okay with pushing through that because my first when I told my first CRM company I was like I will literally be willing to like work on anything like I'll do field work I'll do office work if you need me to like scan copies I'll just scan copies the first six months when he put me in the office I was literally just taking pictures and putting them onto word documents every day eight hours a day just pictures on word docs after that eight months I started getting more and more office work like oh okay well if you're willing to do this can you please organize this can you type this up and by the end I was writing helping co-write reports yeah. because I was willing to put some time in and be like, I, w- I want to work. I want to learn. So if you don't want to tech all the time and you do want to be able to have the office work, sometimes the companies don't have the ability to hire you on. It doesn't mean that you're a shitty worker, but if you let them know, like I'm willing to work in the office, like if you need me to scan like yeah. site forms from like the forest service that are sent in a box, yeah. like, I will do it. Yeah. Like let me help out in other ways if I can. Yeah. yeah. That you're, you're like, in a good way, you're lower on the totem pole, but asking and working to like tell them that you're willing to do the work to put in typing a report and stuff, you can get those office work and you can slowly transition into having a more like stable year round sort of like in the winter, I work in the office, in the yeah. summer, I work out in the field. Yeah. It's also like, like letting people know you have more skill sets than just digging mm. a hole. Like yeah. I found that frustrating when I first started. People are like, why aren't you outside? I'm like, what do you mean? I can write. Mm-hmm. I know how to use a computer. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I have like organization skills. I can, if you don't even need me for archaeology work, I can help write sections of like EISs. Like, I've helped like compile information that way. I'm like, I don't know everything, but I have the skill set to mm-hmm. do it. So. Yeah give me something yeah and communicate your professional goals yeah. too and that's that's kind of like it also helps you in choosing which jobs to take and yeah. which jobs to turn down is is if you have kind of your your objectives and your mission set forth for you yourself personally mm-hmm. then you know you can choose you know this job looks like it will serve my mission to get to you know this professional goal mm-hmm. um or this job is nowhere on this path to control. <laughs> yeah. That's an easy thing to say no to. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. also keeping in mind that those goals can change. Like, yeah. I know I have a personal internal conflict often of like, 
you know, because people ask, what do you want to do <laughs> down the road here? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, what do you want to do after your degree? I'm like, get a job. <laughs> Just be like Hamlet. To be or not, not to be. Yeah. I'm like, these are kind of philosophical deep questions, yeah. and I just need to make ends meet. So we're going to start there. Yeah. Um, and some of it is, is like, I've had enough life experience coming into archaeology that I'm like, I'm open to options. I'm not really that picky. <laughs> <laughs> there are things I would like to do. There are things I won't do. Um, but, you know, I went through the recession and lost my house, my income, my car and furniture. So, like, coming out of that and not being on the other end, I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Stay alive. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm, I came into this because I enjoyed the work and I find it interesting, there are is sort of a, a very wide range of things that I would be willing to do that I would would find interesting and better than doing sales. So I just don't want to do that, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be open. Yeah. Be open to stuff that comes your way. Exactly. You'll be surprised. Yeah. I think this has been really good for setting realistic expectations for, mm -hmm. you know, folks either starting off or starting something new. Yeah. 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 Don't expect, really, please do not expect whips. Or like <laughs> dinosaurs, no, di no dinosaurs, none of that. Gold, no. no. <laughs> I heard no. the best response to that question the other day because, as an archaeologist, you get asked all the time, like, "Have you found gold yet?" I loved this response. It was like, "If I did, do you think I'd still be here?" <laughs> I was like, yes, that's so true. Do you think if I found Spanish fucking gold, I'd be digging a hole? Yeah. No. <laughs> I worked at Fort Knox off and on for five years, <laughs> and every day, someone would, you know, be patrolling on the base, and they'd come out in their pick pickup truck, and they go, "What do you do with all the gold you find?" And I go. Would I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I liked this conversation, like, talking about, like, what you physically need as a field school. But, like, if you've gone through a field school and you're going to your CRM job, you kind of already know the stuff you yeah. need. Yeah. But, like, learning that other stuff, like, getting that personal relationships, business sense, boundaries, mm -hmm. I think... Because I needed that more than, like, what to put in my field pack when I got my first CRM job yeah, is, same. like, what the fuck to expect when you get thrown into a job that your parents most likely will have no idea. So you can't ask them. You can't ask a lot of people that, like, yeah. having these sorts of conversations with archaeologists who are, like, trust me, girl, I have been there. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you so you don't have to fucking go through it. Like, I think that the, I liked the cool trajectory of this conversation. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, went from, like, solid to kind of tangential yeah, stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. And if you happen to be in the area, uh, the Northwest Conference is coming up, but any regional conference, if you're not in this region, um, is a really great place as a student to start both meeting people mm -hmm. and having these conversations and asking similar questions to what we've talked about. Like, if we didn't touch on something, you ask a question like this, people will jump on it and be super excited to talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. Like, generally speaking, um, regional conferences tend to be far more like career and like a student oriented mm -hmm. uh, not to say essay isn't career oriented but it's a different it's far more academic <laughs> it's, it's, there's a different goings on there but yeah, yeah absolutely yeah it's been good yeah mm -hmm. well tia cody katie tipton kirsten lopez and chris sims yeah thanks Peace. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. thanks. See you next time. <laughs> Out. See ya. Later.
Thanks for listening to the Go Dig a Hole podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please consider uh, supporting it on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash go dig a hole. Uh, all of your contributions are incredibly appreciated and uh, I've already been able to do a lot of amazing things with your support. So thanks again and please uh, share this with any of your friends, colleagues, classmates, students, teachers, whatever. Uh, you can also find me online. I'm very online. Uh, uh, you can find me on all the social media platforms at Go Dig a Hole.